Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, you name it. Just head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. If you use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell here with you as always to talk everything happening in and around Auburn athletics. Hope everyone enjoyed the bye week. Unfortunately, it had to be a bye week for us as well. Your girl got a Thursday night game assignment last week, so uh, had to push the episode, just couldn't make it work with the schedule. But kind of aligned really well because the Tigers were off this past weekend as well. So Jay and I are actually going to look back a week and a half, which is forever in football season, but uh, recap a little bit of the Ole Miss game and preview Arkansas this week. We'll also talk kind of big picture around college football, which as expected at the beginning of the season, given some of the early games, it has just been a fun season, a lot of close games, some upsets. It's been a lot of fun to watch. So Jay and I are here to recap all of it. Hope everyone is doing well since we last spoke. Jay, how was your bye week, my guy? Yeah, it was a little weird Saturday, but a much needed bye week for Auburn. Um, you know, they're on a three and four slid right now. And yeah, you know, they need a break to try to find out where they want to go in this back half of the season and, you know, what kind of you know, team they want to be. And, you know, you saw in the Ole Miss game, there's a lot of frustration going on in that game. And it started off really rocky and rough, and then they fought their way back into it. And, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, you can't dig yourself in those type of holes. But overall, you know, like I said, they needed a much by a much needed by week. But then for me personally, you know, I, I got a chance to enjoy some things that I don't really get a chance to enjoy doing. I got a chance to go to other homecomings. Um uh, Got a chance to eat really good for a change. <laughs> Your favorite. <laughs> right, my favorite. And got a chance to actually sit on the couch and watch college football on a Saturday without being in a booth watching it or having to watch it from, you know, my phone. I got a chance to sit on the couch and just watch a lot of great games going on around college football. And that was really exciting weekend with some great games. And uh, and the same with the NFL. I did the same thing with the NFL on Sunday evening. So, you know, what a great weekend and what a beautiful October it has been with weather. So there's no complaints here. Oh, my gosh. It really has been like a beautiful fall this past month. It's been awesome. But yeah, I uh, I also got to enjoy that as well because of working a Thursday night game. And so many of the games this weekend were so entertaining. You and I were kind of talking about it a little bit before we started recording. Um, we actually haven't talked big picture in quite some time. At this point of season, Jay, I mean, obviously, since we didn't have an episode last week, we didn't talk about the reality that Tennessee 
beat Alabama. And you and I had both said we felt like it was going to happen, that we were rolling with the Vols, and they were able to pull it off, not without some drama and a near comeback from the Tide, which they are so accustomed to doing. But the Vols get it done. Ohio State has obviously been clicking. They seemed a little sluggish at the beginning of their game against Iowa this past week, but then took off like that offense knows how to do. They ended up winning pretty handily down the stretch. I'm really entertained by the Big 12 as a whole this year. I think that, you know, with so many of those teams clicking early, you see Oklahoma State, TCU, Kansas State, that K-State TCU game this past weekend went down to the wire as well. Even teams like Kansas that have kind of emerged and and been in more conversations than you're accustomed to. Uh, Baylor has been kind of sluggish, but I think there's more. And then, of course, Texas, there's more or I guess I should say there's less predictability around some of these conferences this year, which has been great. Obviously we have, you know, all been watching Bo Nix succeed at a very high level at Oregon. They got a big win over UCLA this past weekend. It's just been really entertaining. I mean, I, I did a Sunbelt game last week and, and that's even, you know, showcasing some good ball. So uh, who's impressing you most right now, conference wise, team wise, we know where the rankings are, and and look, there are some big ones looming. I think Tennessee, Georgia is going to be massive on November fifth. Who's kind of got your your eye right now? Who's kind of the front runner in your opinion? Yeah, it's been some great games this weekend. Uh, when you think about it, the Big Twelve, is hard to figure out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it is. You know, Tess is a show you flashes of uh, you know of having an opportunity to kind of get in control of the conference, but then. For whatever reason, they get to the fourth quarter, they can't close games. Mm-hmm. And they always find a way to lose those close games in the fourth quarter. And, you know, Shark, you know, he's a great offensive mind coach, but he's got to find a way to get his defense playing better. It's the same way with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Always have a great offense, but their defense always seems to be at the bottom of the back half. And uh, so when I look at the Big 12, though, Kansas State, you know, like, this is a team with a little running back called Vaughn. If you haven't watched this kid play, this kid is electric. And uh, he used to be my brother's neighbor, him and his wife neighbor in Memphis growing up. So I kind of knew him just a little bit. Oh, wow. But, uh, yeah, so and this kid, he's he's really, really having a great college career. Uh, when you think about TCU, no one's really making a lot of noise about TCU. They could mm-hmm. actually find themselves in the playoff hunt. And yeah. what could mess them up is the SEC. And the reason I say that is, is Tennessee has to beat Georgia to actually get into the SEC championship game. And But what if Tennessee loses to Georgia and they don't go to the SEC championship game and Bama so helps just say they win out and they go to the SEC championship game and they beat Georgia. Right. Now you have, <laughs> now you have oh, something Lord. in your hand. Do you take the Georgia team? You have to take Bama at that point because they won the SEC championship. Right. So do you take Georgia and Georgia beat Tennessee, but then Tennessee beat Bama, who won the SEC? Right. They're all down a loss. They're all down a loss. The tiebreaker. Oh, sick. (laughs) And then y'all have said you have Clemson, who will probably be undefeated. Right. (laughs) And then, you know, and then there's TCU. And like I say, you also have Ohio State, which they only play two teams all year. But, you know, 
<laughs> which you know like i said it's another thing for another story that's true you're not year. wrong you're not wrong but tcu is the committee's not gonna keep ohio state out jay you know yeah, that. They, it's a money thing they're it is it's ohio a brand state. thing they're yeah. not keeping them out especially if if they're undefeated All right and what if michigan beats ohio state oh, so Fred. michigan will <laughs> be in there we so it's just uh they need to hurry up and get to this 12 team playoff. oh gosh like, i know like ASAP, especially like you were saying next year where Cincinnati and UCF and what's the third team Houston. going to the Big 12? Houston going to the Big 12. Uh-huh. They need to go ahead and just say, hey, what are we waiting for? Why are we waiting in 2025 to do this? Just go right. ahead and just say, hey, we have reasoning to go ahead and 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 get this thing going a lot faster. In right. Yeah. I mean, I think that this year in particular, I really think you're going to see where so many of those teams have an argument, you know, and to, to, and that's where the conference structure and the schedule structure and all of that is still kind of open to interpretation. And there is a level of opinion that's still in play here. So I totally agree with you that Tennessee Georgia game is going to be insane. I, I even think, you know, this past weekend, I was really I've been pretty high on Ole Miss and I still think they're a very quality team don't get me wrong but them losing to LSU this past weekend I think LSU is figuring things out I don't think they had it at the beginning of the year but I think they're figuring it out and they're putting pieces together and look even with a reputable coach like Brian Kelly things take time when there's such a massive change and overhaul and I think you're seeing it in action and each game they're getting a little more comfortable with who they are and what they do so I think that the west between those three you know Ole Miss Alabama still has to happen I think that that could end up getting interesting and what do you always say about November you know that those are the games that's where things change and they take shape and obviously with a loss to Bama or a loss for Bama it does open up the possibility for some chaos and we all love the chaos. So I am here for it, but yeah, it's funny when, when we're talking about it, I I have seen, you know, there's always going to be some chaos in the sec, especially with the emergence of Tennessee, finally kind of mixing things up a little bit. And then the big 12 operating the way they are and Ohio state being who they are and how, you know, (laughs) Honestly, the fandom behind them, which call a spade a spade, is relevant. Um, I I keep forgetting about Clemson, and I'm not entirely sure why, because they are undefeated. They narrowly got by Syracuse this past weekend. They it took two overtimes for them to beat Wake Forest, you know, earlier in the season. And I just I'm still not sold on DJ Uyunglele. I I think I mean he got benched this past week and. Uh, Cade Klubnik came in and and led them to the win. Do I think that they're going to start going with Cade? No. Dabo even said post-game, DJ's our quarterback. Like, do not get that twisted. We are not in a quarterback controversy, but they have a viable option in the wings. If DJ doesn't have it, they're going to go with Cade. They also have a ground game that is affording them that opportunity, you know? But I do think that Clemson is beatable. I think that they're there are weak spots that could be exploited. I just think that they are able to continue the fight until the clock hits zero. And that is that takes a lot of mental fortitude to do that across the board. And I think that 
Dabo has created that in this team. You know, they're never really out of it. And you need that if you're going to get into the playoff and, and really contest for a national championship. So I could see them in there, but for me, there's just something about them that that slips through the cracks, especially when you're seeing such explosive, you know, more impressive wins, honestly, from some of these other teams. So it definitely is going to get interesting. But I'll tell you one thing, the committee cannot have three SEC teams in the playoff. They're not going to do it. Yeah, they're not going to do that. And you no. said with key things because Brian Kelly, as, as uh, Brian Kelly gives you an example of great coaching. Yeah. You know, things, people want instant results. They want to microwave, so we're in a microwave society. Yeah, you got to get this guy time. People don't realize how many LSU guys transferred before he even got there. And then once he got there, you know, this Daniels kid, from a quarterback perspective, that's why the team is doing better. He has gotten Daniels to play at a higher level. And he looks like a better quarterback than he did when he played against us at Auburn. Uh like he's actually Big throwing time. the ball really well now. Really well now. He's running elusively right now, and the team is buying in to what he's selling. And he's even getting booted to buy in more yep. now. So yep. whatever he's doing down there, these guys are now getting rid of their mindset of what the old was, and they're buying into the new concept that he's building down there. They're just a couple of plays away from being seven and one, but we yep. should have beat them. So I guess you can't say much. It should, it should be six and two, but at the That's end of the true. day, they're pending at the right time and they're getting better. And that's what you want to see in your program is progress. Mm -hmm. And that's going to help them in the recruiting area as well. So when you just think about this whole aspect of college football right now, like I say Clemson, like you, you made a key point. Clemson has not been dominated. No. And they haven't been dominating in the last three years. And mm -hmm. they're just fortunate for them. They're just in a conference that people still hadn't caught up yet. Exactly. And, you know, and that's just the thing. Yes, they won't have three SEC teams in there. I, I honestly think if TCU gets close enough, they would be in there. Mm -hmm. uh, if they continue to win in the fashion that they're, that they're winning in. Uh, so there are teams out there that are worthy and everything. And let's just be honest, Tennessee Alabama game was a classic. Nobody played defense. Right. But yeah. offensively, though, it was a shootout. Yep. And just as much as Tennessee won, Bama could have won. You missed the field goal, you make the field goal, it's pretty much game over. So, so true. it's just so many things that I, I watched the game from inside out. Even when Tennessee went for it on fourth and one where they had to convert, they jumped off sides and Bama had stuffed them. So mm -hmm. the game was about to be over. That's one of those penalties you'd be like, I'm glad you jumped offside. So that's one of the yeah. I'm glad you did because they gave them another opportunity, and that's when they threw the fourth down and got the pass interference that was called back and gave them an opportunity to get in there and score. So it's just things like that that happen within games, Taylor, that makes you know it's a game of inches. It's always a one call away. You always have to – Alabama is very beatable. If you, if you look at Mississippi State game this past weekend – they was inside the scoring zone twice in the first quarter and got zero points. And then yeah. I have no idea what your guy from, from Mississippi State, the head coach, was thinking going forward on fourth down on his own 24. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. you still got three quarters left in the game. So this going forward on fourth downs all the time is starting to drive me crazy because yeah. all these analytics is going to start to get people fired. I don't like it because it takes away all the integrity of the game sometimes. Like, Lane Kiffin would take points off the board trying to go for it all the time on fourth yeah. down. Yeah. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? If you look up at the end of the game, 
and you can get three points. It matters. It matters. Yeah. <laughs> like, so what are we doing? And so, and punt the ball. So all these things, that's why I said October is where contenders separate from pretenders. November yep. is the month of rem- to remember. So it's going to be a gone season. It's going to get really dicey down here down the stretch because a lot of these teams are very beatable. Even Georgia is beatable. So it mm-hmm. makes it fun for a college football and, and being a college football fan. I love it. I, I think it makes it so much more entertaining. Uh, and good that we have that because, unfortunately, this Auburn season is not, you know, becoming what any of us were hoping it would be at the beginning of season. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about our Tigers. Last week went down to Oxford and, unfortunately, came back with another loss. That's three straight 48 to 34 to the Rebs. I I think glaring problem, Jason, is the run defense. This is oh, yeah. the SEC's worst rushing defense. And it, it you did not expect that out of this Auburn team. Ole Miss had three 100 yard rushers in the game, including quarterback Jackson Dart. Now, I, I think that what you saw the first half of the game and what you saw the second half were different. They were different efforts. They were different execution. They were different teams. And that was a bright spot for me. If you're trying to find them this year, because that has been an established narrative thus far that there are no halftime adjustments. There is no, uh, you know, improvement and progress seen in the second half that we really kind of fall apart. That narrative was changed in this game. We were down as much as 21. We closed the gap to four points. You know, Robbie directed three consecutive scoring drives in the second half when he was pulled for a series in the first half and TJ went in. So Robbie didn't have it. Robbie was not, you know, effective. He was not being smart. He, you know, he was turnover prone. He came back out in the second half and led three consecutive scoring drives. So I, I did take that as a positive, you know, in terms of this team could have let the wheels completely fall off. And I kind of expected it to be honest, you know, we all, you know, are not deaf to the rumblings that if this game became a, you know, a pummeling, we may would have been parting ways with our head coach. You know, I don't know why I'm like hesitant to say those things because that, that is the conversation that was around the team. That's not my opinion. That was out there. And so when I saw how the first half was going and how sloppy we looked and how, a lack of energy there was I kind of was fearful that the second half he was just going to get even worse but they didn't quit fighting they they tried to put a better product on the field and I was encouraged by that especially Robbie who certainly you know they did show a little bit of frustration between him and Tank on the sideline and it could have gone a, a much different and worse direction the second half but like I said 300 yard rushers for Ole Miss Quinson Quinshawn Judkins also had 139 yards on 25 carries. Tank with 175, 179 yards on 20 carries and two touchdown runs. So he definitely kind of got back into what we're accustomed to seeing from him down into the second half. But I, I, I don't know what you can do moving forward the rest of this season without a better rushing defense, preventing SEC rushing attacks because – like next week's or this week's opponent, 
they are going to try and run it down your throat. It's what SEC teams love to do, especially with the high caliber running backs. But also teams are coming in here knowing that Auburn is the worst rushing defense in the conference, and they're going to try to take advantage of it. So um, talk to me a little bit about the Ole Miss game, positives, negatives, and, and what you took from it and what you think they took from it going into the bye week. Yeah, the, the Ole Miss game, we, we start off like we normally do most games sometimes. Like we put ourselves in these holes. Mm-hmm. And this is a game where you're playing against a high-powered offense and you're on the road, you're in their territory. You can't afford to start off with turnovers. You can't afford to start off being lackadaisical on your assignments and, and everything. And I just feel like at times we wasn't trying to meet their force with force. Yeah. And – we was allowing them to get pushed on our guys. And that you don't usually see that in an Auburn Ole Miss matchup. You usually see us being more of the force guys. Mm-hmm. And in this game, it wasn't that way. And like I said, we get ourselves down 21 to zero. And all of a sudden, you know, Robbie gets benched. TJ comes in, has a fumble, they recover. And next thing you know, Robbie gets back in the game. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like things slowed down for him. And he starts to play better. The guys around him starts to rally and play better. And it's almost like the offense, you know, hit something that started to click. Mm-hmm. And then they started to move the ball very well. And they start to match Ole Miss points for points. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is we spotted them 21 points. Yep. So now you're playing catch up, even though you're matching them point for point. Now, defensively, we got to get you to get some stops, and that didn't happen. We weren't able to get off the field. Yes, there was a very, very questionable call on fourth on fourth down when, we was, when it was 21 to 14, and they called pass interference on our defensive back, who was clearly looking back at yep. the ball. And that was one of the worst offensive pass interference calls, and that changed the game because we're about to get the ball back after scoring two straight touchdowns right. and have an opportunity to go tie the game up and now at this point, all the pressure falls on Ole Miss, and I think we have a chance to win this game. Mm-hmm. But that call gave them an opportunity to get more points on the board instead of it being Auburn's ball, and that kind of was the the play right there that kind of gave us gave us the chance not to be able to come back and, and win this game. So, but we first of all we can't just blame it all on the refs. We got to stop putting ourselves in those situations, and right. we continue like you were saying. The first thing in order to win a championship or even come close to winning a game, you got to be able to stop the run. Mm-hmm. And in this game, in the past, we hadn't been able to run the ball well without getting push up front. In this game, we got great push up front. <laughs> like we gave our running backs holes. They was actually making a lot of great runs. And it started up front with our offensive line. Yep. So we get great push, but what we do defensively, we don't stop nobody. Yep. I was just like, God, if you get the ball constantly ran down your throat, when are you going to adjust and do some type of run blitzes? Right. Like, you got to fill the gaps. If they beat me throwing the ball, I'm going to believe, hey, we can put pressure on them and make them. I, I'd rather see them throw the ball and give our guys a chance to get sacks or get an interception than just sit in the base defense and let them just continually just run the ball down yes. our throat. Like, so that's what's frustrating defensively because early in the year, we weren't doing this. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, we're giving up rushing yards left and right, and we're not doing anything from an adjustment standpoint to stop it. So we'll see what happens during this bye week. Um, 
you know, for the most part, like I said, they practiced all the way up. They had, what, Friday and Saturday off, and it was right back Sunday evening. So okay. it wasn't much of a break for them to just kind of get away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can tell they, they made them hang around a lot longer because I guess they want to try to flip this uh, this narrative, this this next five games. So we got five games left, four or five. Yeah. So they want to flip the narrative. But the thing about it is, you know, this is basically – what you call it when you're going in for interviews. This is mm-hmm. an interview process, you know, not just with coaches, but for players. These next five games is what it really is. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I mean, I feel like it would be hard for some of these players at this point, you know, to feel like, I hate to say this, but I'm sure some of them are wrestling with, did I make the right decision to stay here? Just given the way season has gone and likely how some of them feel they have been underutilized or their skill sets have not been showcased, their skill sets have not been improved. And I, you have the chance to write those, you know, questions or, or solidify your decision in how you go about these next few weeks. I don't think anyone is expecting Auburn to win the rest of the schedule. I don't even know if people are expecting Auburn to make a bowl game, to be honest with you. But how how you finish things out, the kind of effort you put out there, the kind of, um, you know, commitment you showcase to your team, you still can get a lot out of this season. And you can also still set things up for a better start into next season, whether you're a part of it or not. If you're going on to the next level, if your eligibility is up, you know, you still have a big part of the future, you know, and, and who knows who all that's going to include, but I hope that towels are not being thrown in at this point. You know, I don't anticipate that's the case. That's why the second half of the Ole Miss game encouraged me a lot. But another note that certainly has been talked about a lot this past week, we're talking about the rush running defense, obviously. Defensive defensive tackles, Acavius Walker, is actually no longer with the program. He played at Georgia and then wasn't even with the team in Oxford for the Ole Miss game, and he was removed from the official roster this past week. Carson was asked about it in the press conference, and he said that, yeah, that happened after Georgia, and he's no longer with the team. He was the fourth highest rated recruit on the roster. He did sustain a knee injury this past offseason, so he didn't play until the Georgia game, but he was one of the highest rated recruits, and honestly, he and Tank and Capers – there were only like three or four guys from that recruiting class left on the team. So he is no longer with the team. So something to uh, just be mindful of in terms of that defensive front. Like we've talked about Eculiota, who was becoming a, a huge piece of, of this defense as a unit and of the team and certainly was doing a great job affecting, you know, opponents backfield. He's been out for a couple weeks. So this is also a depleted front. It's a depleted offensive line. I mean, at the line of scrimmage, both sides were getting beat, you know, and I think that that has to be the investment. We talked so much this past off season about the quarterbacks that we were bringing in, you know, Robbie and Zach and Holden, even though he's a true freshman and is TJ ready. And, you know, that was such a talking point. It has to start a step ahead of that. And and that's the trenches. And this team is not strong on either side in the trenches. And, and I hope that that is really a, a focal point of the coaching staff, whoever that may be heading into next year. But as far as this week goes, 
we hope to kind of get out of this losing streak, a three-game losing streak. We are currently at the bottom of the SEC West at one and three, tied with Texas A&M and Arkansas, which is who will be coming to town. We host Arkansas this week. They are also coming off a bye week, so we don't even have that advantage because both teams are going to be well-rested and and probably some players healed up, including K.J. Jefferson, their quarterback, who has been banged up at times this season. And even in their last game in Utah against BYU, he got pretty banged up in that one as well he he's had a hard time staying healthy probably because he does so much he's such a key piece of that offense dang sure on the ground I mean he is he is definitely a, a run threat but they're averaging 240 rushing yards per game which is the second highest in the SEC behind Ole Miss so back to back we will be facing the top rushing attacks in the SEC oh and we're going to the fight with the worst rushing defense in the SEC so not exactly a, uh, a a key matchup in that regard Auburn is giving up 204 rushing yards per game and Arkansas's running backs lead the SEC averaging 124 yards per game led of course by Raheem Sanders this kid is the real deal and of course KJ Jefferson like I said their quarterback 344 rushing yards four touchdowns on the year but he's not a one-trick pony he can pass it to one 1463 passing yards Listen to this, 14 touchdowns and just one interception on the year. For a guy that is so confident in his legs and in his rushing ability, and look, that is a part of their game plan. You know, they will have some design runs for him. And then, of course, he does have the ability, whether RPO or what have you, he can extend. But for a guy that has such confidence in that and it's utilized so much, you usually see a drop-off in pass accuracy and decision-making in the passing game. This kid has just one interception on the year, okay? So he is efficient, he is effective, and he can beat you either way. So it is going to be a very, very tough test for our defense. Talk to me a little bit about what you expect in this and kind of the overarching story of this, Jay, because along with just trying to execute consistently and get better on the field, there is the mental aspect of going, man, how do we keep going through this when as Auburn you have high expectations and week after week you're not meeting them? Yeah, this is tough. Uh, I haven't even looked at the the spread just yet and see who's favored in this game. Uh, I think Arkansas is favored and the over-under is 60 and a half. Oh, wow. Like (laughs) – you know, they're expecting they're, a big scoring game. Scoring, you're right. They're expecting, you know, the ball to just kind of go up and down the field and, you know, not much defense to be played. And I would probably say Arkansas has been one of the most disappointing teams in the SEC this year based off all the preseason hype uh, that they've gotten. But it goes to show you, Taylor, that it takes one game to kind of derail you a little bit. They haven't been right since they lost the Texas A&M game. That's so true. In Dallas. Because before that, they was reeling. They was going up. They was they was moving the ball. Everything was going in their direction. And they had control of that game and just a few plays turned that game away. It gave Tessa and them the victory. And ever since then, it's almost like they haven't been able to have short-term memory and move on. They've been stuck. And will Auburn catch them in a place where they've been on a bye week? And we have been on a three-game slid. Of course, we've had the toughest three-game skid of them. Uh, losing to LSU, Georgia, and uh, just losing to Ole Miss last week. So it was a tough three-game skid. So now you're coming back home. You had a chance to rest up. This game should be high energy because you shouldn't be tired from the week before. You should come out with some type of chip on your shoulder 
to say, hey, we need to we want to get back on the winning side of things. And if you want to do that, you got to start fast. Like this is an early game on Saturday. It's an 11 a.m. game. So you got to get up and get your mind moving and get yourself going and get ready to lock in and play for four quarters. Because this will be a four-quarter football game. And it's going to be a hard-hitting game. It's going to be a, a game of what it always is, who can protect the football. And like you said, we've had issues protecting the football. And that's something we have got to do a better job at. And it ta- it's the whole team. And then we've got to get our hands on balls and create turnovers defensively, especially against a team like Arkansas who loves to run the football. If they love to run the football, the one thing we cannot do is allow them to have 12 to 15 play drives because we're not the type of offense that can score quickly most of the time. So we need that ball in order to have more opportunities to get points on the board and not let them just go up and down the field controlling controlling the game and the time on the clock mm-hmm. by just rushing the ball. And you notice what Coach Pittman wants to do. He's a hard-nosed football type of coach. And if you know as well as I know, he probably did something over this bye week to get his guys' attention to resurface mm-hmm. because he is as tough as it comes to being as a coach and and what he wants out of his out of his team at Arkansas. And he's got to get those guys to buy back in. So that's the same thing that Harson has probably had to do over this week. Was to try to get these guys to buy back in for the, the last five games of the season. And this is this is why this is an important game. Is it a game that's going to decide the SEC West and all that? No. Is it a game that's going to decide we'll go to bowl game? Well, it could be. You know, if you lose this game, you pretty much cancel a bowl game, uh, you know, because it's not like the schedule gets easier. So for us, it's just a matter of fact, I want to see what you do when things aren't going your way. And whether it's Coach Harson's the coach, whether it's another coach to coach, and the only reason we say that because we're not blind to the fact of what's going on. And we hear things as well. And from a standpoint of you already know, Taylor, if you don't win this business, then what happens? Mm-hmm. You know, so we're not oblivious to those things. That's why we're saying if it's Coach Harson or whomever it is in 2023 as a coach, you have what? you want to see how your players is all right we wasn't playing for a championship this season now at this point that we're three and four who are the guys that's going to show up and continue to play extremely hard right and who are the guys that continue to just going to represent that that emblem on the side of their helmet mm-hmm. and who's going to represent their name on the back of their jersey and give me a hundred percent all-in effort because those are guys i wanted my 2023 team so 100 percent so this is an opportunity for those guys to to come out and show who you really are because it's easy like you said in the beginning some of those guys decided to, to stay and all this type of things you know what when you go through a rough season if you finish it the right way you could be preparing yourself for the next season to be a great one mm-hmm. but it's all about your attitude and mindset because you can't look at other schools and say oh man they're winning guess what tennessee didn't get here yesterday Like, they had to go through some stuff before they got back good. Right. So that's the same thing Auburn is at right now. You're going through some things. But you can get back to being a great program, but it starts with the mindset and having the right type of guys that's willing to buy all the way in in this moment. Not when Auburn's 13-0. Not when Auburn is going to the National Not when Auburn is 9-1 and playing in the Iron Bowl to to win to go to the SEC Championship. Right now, who are you? 
who are the guys that want to be on my 2023 team? Because if you already looking to go elsewhere, then you might as well just go ahead and just pack your bags and move on. Right. I want guys that's willing to be here on my 2023 team that's going to play with hard effort and heart and not looking at other places to try to find an easy way out. Exactly. Fight through the tough stuff and get yourself prepared to have a great year this time around next season. Right. Couldn't agree more. None of this is for not. And and I hope that they all are able to kind of resonate with that and, and carry it through these next several weeks. But I, I do think that this could be a good opportunity for Robbie Ashford because while we are the worst run defense in the SEC, Arkansas is the 12th in SEC in pass defense. They are allowing opponents an average of 316 passing yards per game. So this could be an opportunity for Robbie and these wide receivers to establish a bit of a rhythm through the air. And, and of course we can utilize our our backs accordingly. And, And Robbie loves to run and scramble. We know that too, but this could be a good opportunity, and and I think they would try and, and do that early. I think maybe the script early in the game should include some some shots in the air because this could be a pass defense that you could exploit and then help this offense settle into a rhythm early. That's really something that we have not had all season, and it's so needed, especially for a guy like Robbie, who every week is is getting more reps in game at the collegiate level. He had none coming into this year so that is something that that I hope we could take advantage of our defense is is definitely going to have their hands full with guys like KJ Jefferson and Sanders actually Arkansas all of their wins they have scored over 30 points if they have not scored 30 points this season they have lost so they rely on putting up big numbers on getting things going on the ground offensively and if if our defense is able to answer the bell and somehow put together a better effort in stopping that it seems to be that this Arkansas defense has not been able to contain opponents and they end up losing if their offense does not reach that that 30 point you know target so that's something to keep an eye on but it'll be great to see them back at home 11 a.m. SEC Network, but they're back home. They will certainly need the crowd involved in this one, definitely to keep their offense hopefully a little discombobulated, maybe struggle with communication. That it, that would definitely help our defense. So hopeful for that. I did want to talk to you a little bit about residual implications, you know, kind of continuing the conversation we were having about the current guys. But if things are not handled appropriately, Jay, recruiting is certainly going to take a hit. And I think that a bit of a wake-up call might have happened this past week. Four-star commit Jeremiah Cobb, who is without question our most explosive recruit, most exciting recruit heading into the 2023 season. He was our biggest get most notable and really with the expectation that tank is going to move on to the NFL, it's expected that he could play immediately and, and certainly make an impact. Um, He actually posted on his social media that he has officially received an offer from Georgia and he posted a photo of, of him in, in Georgia gear on his social media. And, you know, I, I understand that these guys they're kids, right? And they're excited. They they have all dreamed that this would one day happen to them. And you have a team that is 
potentially on a hunt for another national championship that comes calling and wants you. It's great. But to me, that that reality is not as worrisome as the fact that he posted it and he's almost feeding the fire. It just makes you wonder, you know, not only do you have to be aware of the fact that current guys could transfer, like Zacavius Walker, even though I don't think his name is in the portal. He's just no longer with the team. I don't know what's going on with that. But the reality that current guys could depart, but with a recruiting effort that has already been lacking and certainly room for improvement, there is potential here that some of those could could withdraw and could change their mind. And I want your input without, you know, again, Jay and I are not part of the gossip train. We are not here to slander anybody. Coach Harson is Auburn's coach until he is no longer. But with what all is happening and the concern around the current structure of this program, at some point you have to stop the bleeding. And if recruits start bowing out, the bleeding is magnifying because not only is the present kind of wonky but we don't have a real clear idea of the future either so what all you know is kind of at the forefront of this right now what all do you anticipate from the powers that be not necessarily around the coaching hunt but just damage control I guess is a good way to phrase it because this thing has the potential to get worse before it gets better Auburn has not missed a bowl game since the 2008-2009 seasons. It has been a long time since we have been that much out of the conversation. So where do things stand, you know, from your vantage point right now? Yeah, it's a difficult space uh, uh, to be in. Uh, Honestly, when you think about these kids are going to continue to take visits. You know, there's kids that are committed to other schools that are taking visits to Auburn still. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have to continue to keep their relationship with these high school kids through and through. And right now, that's why I always tell kids, you don't really choose a school based specifically off the coach. I say because coaches can come and go, whether if a coach got hired at another school and he wanted to move back closer to somewhere where he's from, or if a coach got fired, you know, and a new coach comes in, I was just like, those things that you can't control. That's why I always say, see yourself in a uniform, see yourself, falling in love with a school that's recruiting you, that you love the school and you love being part of that atmosphere. And regardless of who the coach is, you're willing to do your best because you love it that much to be there because that's, what's going to keep you there. Coaches is not what keep you at schools, but keep you there is your love for the school and the opportunity that you have in front of you to do something great. That's one thing Auburn has right now is the fact that they can sell these kids that's coming out of high school on opportunities to play early and opportunities to get on the field and make an impact and get this program headed back in the right direction. Because if you go to the Georgias, if you go to the Bamas right now, you can be a four- and five-star recruit, but guess what? You got two four- or five-star recruits sitting in front of you. Exactly. So you may end up waiting two years before you even touch the field. Well, you can come to Auburn and immediately, immediately have an opportunity to make an impact. Mm -hmm. So that's the part that Auburn can win on and sell on right now that'll help them regardless of what's going on with the coaching situation. Because, and the other thing about this, say if there is a coaching change, 
there may be someone that may come in that may be very appealing that other recruits at other schools that are committed to go to other places may say, Hey, I want to, I'm thinking about going to Auburn now, mm-hmm. you know, so it could flip the other way as fast as well, because if a coach is at another school and all of a sudden he ends up at Auburn or something, for example, then he may already have relationships or he may already know, you know, saying know these kids or something. And because let's just be honest, recruiting is all about having connection with the communities and being able to know high school coaches and and having connects and everything. Because, you know, you could be the best recruiter in the world. If you don't have any connections for someone to call and say, hey, you might want to come check this kid out. This kid over here can really, really play. Like, so you have to have relationships with people to invite you in to have an opportunity to get an early look on certain kids. So mm-hmm. this is the thing right now where Auburn is at. It is a pivotal moment because, you know, yes, Coach Harson is still the coach and everything. And do we know if he's going to be the coach next year or not? We don't. But let's just say hypothetically if he is. If he is, then he has to be busting his tail right now building relationships in high school coaches. Yeah. But also he has to be busting his tail to get a better product on the field these next five games. Mm-hmm. And – if it's not a better product at these next five games, I think along with anybody, you know what that consists of, what's going to happen. Exactly. So if that happens and then someone else comes in, that coach may already be someone that these kids know of and know about and seeing what he's done at a program or something. And they may all of a sudden get excited and say, I was considering going to Georgia or Florida or Tennessee but now I get a chance to go over here and play for this guy and play early. I'm thinking about going there now. That's true. So it's so many ways it can go. And that's why I say these next five to six weeks for Auburn are very, very critical. It has to be watched with a close, close eye. Mm -hmm. And nothing's going to happen until you get the AD situation in place first and foremost, because whether is Rich McGlynn who's in the interim position or whether it's someone else that they bring in in that position, they have to have the opportunity to interview the guy that's there now. And then also having a mindset of his first three to four guys that he will want to interview for the job. So, and then the president has to sign off on it as well. So there are some things that has to be done first before any of those things can happen. But let's just be honest. What product shows up on the field these next five weeks is going to have a lot of determining factors mm-hmm. of what's going to happen in December. So, you know, that's just, you know, that's just facts. And that's yeah. anything. So let's just, uh, you know, hope these recruits keep their ears and eyes still set on Auburn and yeah. look at it as a great opportunity to get on the field and help change the culture and get it back to its winning ways and be part of something, building something great, and just not part of something that already is. Yes. So, uh, well said. You know, that would be my selling point. Yeah. No, it's a great point because I do think that you, you will be set up with an opportunity to really make a difference and establish something instead of just falling into the fold, you know, of something pre-established. And look, what is established is one hell of a brand, one hell of a fan base and a a quality of life at Auburn like that is established and that's not going anywhere the backing of this football program a 90 something million dollar facility that is about to be open like there is so much good that still exists here I don't want it to be tainted by 
what the past uh, 16 months have been, you know, but yeah, it, it certainly is, uh, has impact from what is put on the field. So I'm hopeful that they will be able to continue to build on the second half of the Ole Miss game that certainly had bright spots. I hope that Robbie is able to find his footing a little bit and, and maybe that defense will be able to step up in the absence of, of guys like Eculiota who unfortunately are, are no longer out there. So It'll be an, another interesting one, and uh, we will certainly look forward to recapping all of the action for you guys next week. So, as always, thank you so much for listening to us here on Believe in Everything Auburn. And we do. We believe. It ain't always easy, but we believe. So uh, make sure you come on back next week, and we'll break down all the action and preview the week after like we always do. And uh, enjoy college football because it sure as heck is flying this year. And once it's over, we all miss it. So make sure you're soaking it in while you can. Everyone have a fantastic week. And as always, we're Eagle. Remember, tough times don't last. Tough people do. Oh, wow. That Just let that summer. That was good, Jay. War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.